uh, to help us unpack this evening's conversation. I've got Advocate Ntabiseng Sepanya uh, Mohale, Chairperson of the Commission for Gender Equality. Good evening and welcome to Night Talk. Good evening. Uh, thank you for having us. And thank you. Thank you so much for making time for us this evening. Now, this is a really, really concerning matter where overcrowding is becoming a challenge. How did we get here? Um, I think overcrowding has always been a challenge. uh, But now it has, you know, it has been exacerbated by a number of reasons. The first reason being there hasn't been a, a significant number of new prisons that are being built. Uh, and uh, number two being that there has been an increase in crime and uh, there's been anti-crime campaigns that have resulted in the limited facilities having to now accommodate the, the, the masses that are being arrested during campaigns, uh, anti-crime campaigns. You know, your Operation Shanela and all of those you find that uh, there, there isn't enough space to arrest those. For uh, um, uh, the, the commissioner for, for for correctional services will say, for example, if they say they've arrested 200,000 uh, people nationally in some of these operations, 100,000 of them would be people who actually have to be kept in custody because they have actually been found to, to have other crimes or they cannot afford bail, or they actually were people who have been sought after, were on parole, and not were not reporting anymore. So for various reasons, half of those would actually be people who are immediately kept inside. Just out of curiosity, when, when these operations are implemented, because there must be a, a, a planning process, when they are now being implemented, do they not anticipate um, that, you know, they will be inundated? You know, because the crimes like you're highlighting, the crimes will be very different. If somebody needs to be in remand, then it's a different story. I mean, you do have, you know, hardcore criminals that really need to be locked up. And in this instance, did they not put this in place to say, in case we are inundated, this is our plan of action. I'm not even sure that has got to be the, 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 the responsibility of the Department of Correctional Services. Yes, anticipated they have got to, but somebody then has got to provide the catchment that they lack, and that is where Department of Public Works and other people come in. So they are part of a value chain and they are right at the end, unfortunately, of the value chain. So the exodus that comes in, unfortunately, has to be captured and, and catched, caught, caught by them. Uh, and, and that is where the problem is. And when we asked why there, is, there seems to have been, you know, my understanding was that there seems to be a, a reluctance of building prisons. Yes, prisons are are, are not basically a very a nice indication of harmony within a society. We actually found that for us in South Africa, there are a number of reasons. Municipalities, the lack of municipalities being able to deliver services is one key factor. Where when they build prisons, a prison for 3,000 people, like now they are building one in the Northern Cape, 
uh, needs bulk infrastructure. It's almost like you're building a mini township. You need bulk infrastructure. You need sufficient supply of water. You need sufficient infrastructure underground for sewer. You need good electricity because electricity goes with life. It goes with security. So if, if municipalities are not able to be responsive to those, then your plans, whether you anticipate or not, get undermined. That is so true. And then coming, I'm just going to divert just slightly, but um, it's still part of the conversation. In 2023, the department registered 1,805 sexual assault complaints throughout the country. So you do find that in the overcrowding, you know, there's lack of expertise on mental health, um, LGBTQI, you know, and it just makes me wonder that, you know, we, we are in this era and we've inherited all this or the different dynamics of, of, of life where, you know, we're supposed to sit down and say, this is what is happening and this is how we, 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 we this is our action plan. Yes, um, I think there, there is a bit of that, but if your action plan or the part of your action plan requires brick and mortar and you are not able to put that up it it that's where the problem lies unless i didn't understand your your question no no no. i think you're answering me perfectly fine i'm going to follow up on that yes go ahead okay yeah so that that is where the challenge is and uh, you must remember in terms of the law and both the national and international standards they, they, they remanded uh, people who are being suspected, using the word colloquial, who are being suspect, are being suspected of crimes, have got to be kept away from the ones who are already convicted. So the, the overcrowding is also taking those kinds of dynamics, where the ones who are, are, are under remand are actually held differently, and that's where... The, the challenges are. And why they are remanded is because, again, of the court situation, where there's postponement after postponement after postponement. You remember during COVID, sometimes just at short notice, there would be cancellation that nobody is coming from prison one, two, three, four, and the courts would have to close and cancel. Therefore, it means those people stay on and on for long. You have people who are in remand up to three years before even that trial is finalized. Mm. And I would like to believe, you know, when someone is, uh, you know, is, is incarcerated or put in prison, the whole idea is to rehabilitate, right? Yes. Now, in yes. rehabilitating, for, you know, a, a good example, which I think is, is very blatant in our eyes, where you, you have someone who is mentally not stable. When, when that particular individual is now placed in in the same environment with hardcore criminals it just becomes a little bit of you know you 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 raise your eyebrows to say um isn't he he or she supposed to be maybe in in a mental institution rather than you know being incarcerated or maybe um there are places that could be created to say those that have committed uh, offenses but that are mentally Disabled, uh, that are mentally challenged can then be placed in, in a different safe place where then they get, re, you know, rehabilitated. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the uh, correctional services have got the hospital wings where they will keep such people. But you must remember, those would not be your 
your your normal normal hundred percent mental health facilities where there is free movement and everything. The bottom line is you are still serving a sentence or in the process you are a suspect and in the process of undergoing your 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 trial so that you are a convicted and or acquitted. So it, it becomes a slightly different one. Therefore, it would help you in terms of medication, in terms of support, but you would still be incarcerated, which I'm not sure how much of that would in itself, therefore, undermine the mental health intervention that you are getting. Mm. And now that we, you know, we do have the LGBTQI+, plus, yes. Which yes. never existed some twenty years ago, but if it did, yes. it wasn't as 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 prominent as it is now. Do yes. they get Do they get special treatment? Do they get you know Do they get their own special areas or special spaces where they are placed? With our oversight visits, we found that people were struggling, uh, who 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 you know to to be placed. For example, if you have queer males who say, I prefer to be in the woman's section, it would actually be the warders and other people giving them problems to say, no, you cannot be. As far as you are concerned, you are male and, you know, vice versa. So there has been that challenge. And our prisons up to now have not had those facilities where they're saying, okay, this is a facility where people could come in and feel safe. And you must remember with the, with the, with the violence uh, culture in prisons, it, it is important that people feel safe. So that has not been the case yet. So uh, members of the LGBTQI community continue to feel unsafe uh, in our prisons and continue to fall between the cracks. Mm. Yes. Well, um, I, I think let me, I also need to share this with our listeners. Maybe someone who's listening has been in prison before, um, you know, their experiences in regard to the conversation that we're having. Or maybe uh, prison warders that have been experiencing challenges of having to manage, um, you know, the situations that we are discussing this evening. It'll be interesting to hear um, if anyone maybe who is listening or has had any any experiences or maybe just to share some some light or some insight. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a call. 086-000-2032 or send us a voice note 0614104107 0614104107 and I'm speaking to advocate Ntabiseng Sepanya Mohale, chairperson of the Commission for Gender Equality and we're talking about the dynamics of what has happened um, you know in our prisons, the, the overcrowding what could be then you know how do we mitigate this kind of an issue, how do we come up with solutions to the problems. We also have a situation where you have people that are in remand. Maybe we can come up with an idea to say maybe they need to be placed in a different arena or a different area. Mental health, those that struggle with mental health, it's not appropriate for them to also be mixed with hardcore criminals. Uh, and then, of course, we do have another section, the LGBTQI+. Uh, where should they be placed? Um, should there be special, you know, space? Uh, spaces that should be created for them. Um, just to hear your insights, your views, your opinions, um, give us a call. We're just going to take a small break. We'll be back. Night Talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. Bertha Charuma.
on SAFM. And I'm in for Oliver Dixon. And also just to remind you, top of the hour, that's um, at 11. Uh, we do have an open line. And, of course, you can throw in um, your opinions, your views in regards to anything that caught your eye uh, today, yesterday. Maybe I know the budget speech was a hit yesterday. Uh, we can discuss whatever it is that is on your mind, service delivery, whatever it is. And I just, uh, you know, um, caught a story. Um, history-making Nongkululeko Kobodo uh, venturing into unchanged chatted political arena what is your take on that maybe you'd like to comment maybe not it's all good and fair and then um, also you know Carter deployment records how ANC uh, WhatsApp group played with the fate of the country well I know that that sounds like a little bit of a harsh uh, you know um, uh, title but it is what it is we've got to say it as it is it is but anyway those are some of the stories that um, caught my eye but otherwise at this point Speaking to Advocate Ntabiseng Sepanya Mohale, Chairperson of the Commission for Gender Equality, that's CGE, and uh, CGE Inspection on Correctional Services Facilities. Um, Advocate, welcome back. Thank you. And um, I, I know that in um, trying to navigate or finding a solution to alleviate the pressure in, in the prisons, the president had to come up with a plan where, um, you know, those with lighter sentences uh, were being somehow exempted. I don't know, um, maybe would you like to elaborate on that? Maybe are you well acquainted with that? Yes, I am. Uh, it actually is a standing uh, arrangement for, for, for presidential pardons, for remissions, etc., but it is not uh, just a, a, a random, okay, you've got, you're almost near there. Uh, it, it, that is one of the factors, but many other factors get looked at. They, you know, the issue of what kind of crime that is, uh, how one has been behaving, um, and, and a whole lot of other things. And uh, former President Nelson Mandela actually was taken to court uh, for having released mothers of children who were under 12 and closer to their their release, and that that was t- he, he was taken to court that is discriminated, that is gender discrimination. What about fathers who've got children under 12? Um, so it it you, you know the president uh, at any point can play around with that. It is a discretion that they have. But it's a discretion that is supposed to be used sparingly, and sometimes it, a year passes without any 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 remission uh, that they, they they get remission of sentence that anyone gets during COVID because of overcrowding and because of the dangers of mass deaths that could have happened. There was the COVID nineteen special. A remission arrangement and and that was i suppose for everybody that was understandable mm. and you do also yes. find that people that cannot afford bail um yes. you know for, for for minor acts like for instance somebody maybe could uh you know their bail amount would be a thousand rand maybe 300 rand i mean should they really be kept you know inside I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, people who cannot afford bail should not be kept inside. But magistrates and judges have actually been very diligent with trying not to keep them. However, you find that this person is a repeat offender or the person actually does not have an address because some of the bail conditions as captured in Section 62 
of the Criminal Procedure, Section 60, actually, of the Criminal Procedure Act. You've got to have a fixed address. You've got to have somebody who can come forward and say, yes, I will be their guardian during this time. I will make sure that they appear in court. They work at such and such a place. Uh, uh, you know, they, they've got an ID, they've got an ID number, they're a first-time offender, they, they're running a normal business, they're a family person, etc. Some of the people do not have that, and therefore they, 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 the onus is on the court to make that judgment call and say, no, you are a flight risk, you may not come back. You know, you cannot give a bail to somebody who says, I live in, I don't know where, and I'm from this and this place, I'm from this and this country, you know, and at that same time you find that they are a repeat offender or the crime that they've been charged with or suspected of having committed is, is, is relatively serious or repeated because sometimes it's not only it being serious, it may be light, but repeated. Mm. Yes. And then let's now come to sexual assault. Yes. Now, this is something that is a worrying factor. Mm. And um, I, you know, I came across a, it, it was a clip. I think, let me just play the clip so that we, you know, we can get a little bit of an understanding. Uh, Gayton McKenzie, um, he used to be in prison at some point and um, he witnessed uh, sexual assault. And uh, mm. this, is, this, this, this is his explanation. In jail, there's a big rule. Don't interfere with the work of another gang. And was a young boy that came into jail, and he was raped by 18 men. He was a white boy? Yeah. And I didn't help him. And he cried, he screamed, he begged. Nobody helped him. I was there, I didn't help him. And the next day, they raped him for nine, all night, basically. And the next day, he was laying in a corridor, naked, shivering in his own blood. And everybody jumped over him. Just as I was about to jump over him, I looked at him, and there's just something that connected with my soul. And I said, you should go to the cops. And he said, I can't go. I said, why? He says, because they killed me, these criminals. I picked him up at great risk to my own life, and I took him to the wardens. And they were standing in a half moon, and I told them, this child has just been violated. And they said what they said to all the other prisoners in jail. There's no proof. I said, look at the blood on my T-shirt. This is all the proof that you need. What was it like when you first walked into Paulsmore? I'm not going to lie, it was terrible. You know, it was like, it's something that I would not wish on my worst enemy. It's, it's a place that I wouldn't want young boys or young men to go to because it's hell on earth. My first night was the scariest because you are, you are, you are shown many things on your first night. You'll witness men being stabbed. You'll witness men being beaten. All on the first night? All on the first night and in different ways and forms. Um, You're in a room where you're supposed to be 20 men, but there's 80 men in this room. Yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, Polsmore and uh, and Westville are, you know, the worst, um, you know, in SA. But just listening to, to, to that conversation, for me, it, it, it really, really worried me that maybe you would be locked up for something. Maybe it's white-collar crime. You know, you're not really, you know, that bad. And once you go through this process, when you're sexually assaulted, I don't think coming back from that 
is very difficult. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Prison is, is, is no place for anyone to be in. It, it definitely is not. You come back, you're not the same person. Um, but the overcrowding makes it even worse because the, the inhumanity that one feels in an overcrowded situation where you, you, you do not have the privacy of a bathroom, where you do not have the privacy of sleeping peacefully, does take away the, the, the humane uh, uh, aspect of things. And therefore, it reduces people to animals and they tend to, to, to replicate that kind of behavior. So overcrowding is big. But that overcrowding then also undermines justice because our correctional services and the whole criminal justice system tends to use overcrowding as a reason for parole, whereas it should not be, not at all. Reasons for parole are supposed to be a whole lot of other issues that are considered definitely not overcrowding. But now people are released on parole merely because of overcrowding. So you have people who have not gone through rehabilitation programs or who have gone through them maliciously. People know that you go in there, start your programs the next day, uh, just so that when your time is due, you've done all those programs, you've done 10, 16, done and dusted, but nothing to show for it in terms of actual change of behavior. Uh, That that for me is yet those people are allowed to go. But the other thing that we have uh, uh, noticed is that uh, parole has become a right, whereas a parole is just supposed to be a right to be considered for it rather than a right itself. So you have a right to be considered for parole rather than a right for parole. What we are seeing now is actually the prisoners themselves getting in touch with the parole board, they say, hey, where are you? I'm due for parole. And the only reason that they give is that I've been here for three years, I was sentenced for five. I've done one, uh, 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 I'm just above my, my, my 50% time. Mm. And that is not supposed to be so. You're supposed to be called based on the, 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 the system saying we've identified one, two, three, four. They may be due to be released soon. They've served a certain number of years. They have behaved well. They are ready to go outside. One, two, three, four is awaiting them outside for them never to return. Yeah. Well, I think let's take uh, some of the voice notes. Let's hear um, other opinions out there. Hi, Bertha. Um, You know, in prison, there's also people who have bail for... 300 rands. You know, they're just sitting there and they cannot afford 300 rands, so they're there and they are being part of the um, the overcrowding. You know, someone is granted paid for 500 rands, then they cannot afford it. The next time they go to to court, then the, the, the bail money gets reduced to maybe 400 rands, up to 300 rands, and they are there. And I think it's more expensive to keep a prisoner or a remanded person in prison for i'm sure it's it's more expensive than 300 rands a day you know those people who are there just for 300 rands babe good evening better uh, right now i've got a brother who's been incarcerated maybe it's two years now he's mentally ill so 
he committed some sexual assault, he touched my niece's breast. But by the time he was violent, we wanted the cops to help us uh, take him to the mental institution. And then it happened that he he committed that crime. Right now, we've, like he's been incarcerated from October 2022 up to now. And then he has been to courts. And then even the magistrate couldn't pick up that he's mentally ill. And he's, he, after maybe eight months, one magistrate took him to the mental uh, institution to be checked if he's okay. Still now, we've submitted all the paperwork that this guy has been uh, has been admitted in several hospitals, and then he stops taking medication afterwards. So right now we don't know what to do because they 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 take him to check they take him to the mental institutions to check him and then they said they need another doctor and then the time goes on and then he's frustrated now and it frustrates us because we don't know what to do anymore can you please he's in westville prison yeah um very complicated um there's a situation a scenario where someone is not mentally okay are they are, are we lacking you know the right facilities or detection of uh, you know the mentally disturbed um, inmates yeah you know better in our country criminal procedure act i think it's 16 says people have got to be assessed if there is any suspicion by the presiding officer that the person may not be able to to understand the proceedings, participate, and, and, and make sense of the gravity of what is going on, then they have to be referred to a mental hospital. In that mental hospital, there's a minimum of 30 days that they have to stay there and be observed. And in most cases, they may have to be observed by more than one specialist. In our case, it would, it would be a psychiatrist. What then happens is, you only get called to go to that facility when there is a bed. You must remember that when you are there, it is a hospital. You've got to have a place that you sleep in. In fact, it has become so common for people to say, to come into court and say, no, we still don't have a bed. Can you remand for another three, four months until we get a bed? And why they, they issue, they, they reduce it to bed, but it's about being able to go in, be admitted, be observed, and have a bed where you can sleep in. is because the mental facilities in our country are far, far fewer than the actual hospitals um, uh, that we have in our country. So that in itself is another challenge. In, in Johannesburg, for example, Gauteng, with more than 10 million people, if I'm not mistaken. You have your Stekfontein, you have your Vescopis, I don't know what else, just two hospitals. And you most probably, if you can go there, you will find that there's a, a limited space. So people are remanded and kept inside because they, the facilities where they're supposed to go and be observed and have confirmation according to, to Section 77 of the Criminal Procedure Act, uh, uh, there are no such facilities where that can happen. So it, it, it becomes a violation in itself 
because here's this person who's not getting an opportunity to be assessed whether they are able to 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 to, to proceed with the crime or not. Mm. But the other difficulty I think that everybody has is what if you release this person to the custody of the family and then come back? It comes back to haunt you because they may have done something. As the last uh, caller was saying, uh, you know, the person was violent, you know, those kinds of things. Yes. So it, it, it actually is a difficult thing, but it goes back to us needing to put pressure that money must be used for what it should be used for by our government. More and more facilities have got to be built so that there is a seamless machinery. People come in and out of any system. Mm. And uh, looking at you know the male situation, the the male inmates and female inmates prisons, are they are they are they or both facing the same issue or maybe a female seems to be a little bit better because I mean we've noticed with uh, you know the likes of uh, Nandipa Magudumana uh, when she was arrested there were stories about skills development and you know they always look quite quite healthy you know whenever they appear in court is there a difference yes there is a difference there is definitely a difference in the sense that there isn't as much overcrowding as there is in the in the male uh, uh, prisons, but, but the other thing is uh, those <laughs> that whole skills thing of beauty and hair and and all of those males and all of that is part of the skills training that women get. Yes, it sounds very stereotypical. It's one of the things that we actually raised today about giving women hardcore skills where they can come back and participate in construction and other things. But that, those are the most common skills that they have. That is why their hair is always proper and, you know, nails and eyelashes. It's part of the training that is done when they are inside. The overcrowding is better. But uh, the mental health issues tend to plague women much more than men for a, a number of reasons, primarily the fact that a lot of women suffer about the children that they have left behind. And not only children, you must remember, women in so many instances are primary caregivers. So women worry and suffer because they've left their children behind, they've left their parents behind, they've left their sickly aunt behind, they've left their sickly sibling behind. So they, they, they can't even focus on the rehabilitation program because of this anxiety and, and trauma and, and, and disorientation that they are feeling that they, they has resulted as a result of the incarceration. Mm. Having said that, we also have found out that more and more women now are getting uh, uh, arrested for very serious crimes. In the past, we thought women were getting arrested for crimes of stealing food at ShopRite or something to that effect. Now more and more women are coming, uh, are being arrested for pickpocketing, for shoplifting, and not shoplifting food as we had gotten used to it, but for shoplifting other things. Now, 
Oh, I, I'm not so sure what has happened to my line there. Seems like I've lost um, Advocate and Tabi saying, but we are in conversation and we're talking about uh, CGE inspection on correctional services facilities and how our prisons have become so overcrowded. But we're about to just wrap up this conversation. Um, let me, I'll just double check if she's back so that we can wrap up and, and uh, we move on to our next um, subject matter. But, you know, also um, in the same breath, I mean... Um, <sighs> It becomes quite complex, like we highlighted in the beginning when we started the conversation, that life, life, or should I say lifestyle in general, has become so complex where now then, you know, um, a lot of things have to be taken into consideration. For instance, the, you know, LGBTQI plus has to be considered and, um, you know, certain uh, arrangements have to be made but maybe let me just check if she's back so that we can um, wrap up the conversation advocate are you back yes i'm back yep thank you so much in wrapping up any any way forward uh way forward would actually be uh, active citizenry where citizens need to now start saying there is too much crime and therefore how do we deal with it? We've got to open that conversation because I think the whole issue of us not having enough prisons uh, and, or the, the government or country shying away from prisons has is actually not assisting we've got high levels of crime and something has got to be done but then right back to say why do we and go right back into the community into our churches into our schools into the home to go and find why do we have so much crime what else can we do then rehabilitation programs for people who go in we need to have solid programs that will make sure they don't come back into the system again um you know all of those things have got to be looked at absolutely well thank you so much for joining us this evening that's uh, advocate in tabiseng sepanya mohale chairperson of the Com- uh, commission for gender equality joining us in that conversation thank you so very much and have yourself a pleasant evening thank you sister. Bye. and bye-bye for now coming up next